0: This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. This is an opportunity for the family to have something fun, and that's how I really talk about it with the family is like, you know, we can give prescriptions for medicine, we can give prescriptions for, you know, you just see a neurologist, but we can also give you a prescription for something fun to do with your family.
1: Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guests today are Dr. Deborah Pacino. She is a pediatrician at the Mackinac Pediatrics Clinic in the Berkshires, and also with us is Adrienne Conklin. She is an RN, Practice Manager, also at Mackinac Pediatrics, and welcome to our program today. We invited you to join us because we are so excited about this practice called social prescribing. The idea being that not every single illness or pain is solved necessarily by a pill or a crisis intervention at a hospital. That a lot of these things can be addressed with, believe it or not, here at the Mass Cultural Council, we think arts and culture, arts and culture being a protective factor um, to improve the health and well-being of people. You have been working together um, as part of a collaboration to think about ways to address problems that walk in your door at the pediatric clinic have more of a creative solution. So, first of all, tell me about your collaboration and how you came together.
2: Okay, I'll start with that. First of all, thanks for having us and being interested in our program. And we're excited about Culture RX. It's it's added a lot of excitement and fun to our practice. Um, but our collaboration actually started about five years ago, we call it the Southern Berkshire Collaborative Care Team. Uh, basically, pediatricians and in talking with Mary Burley, who was then a local elementary school principal, we both realized that we were seeing increasing numbers of children with mental health needs um, and dysregulated behaviors. And we were both out of both from the pediatrician's office from the, and from the school making referrals that were basically in a effective. I mean, we would give the family three names or a few names of mental health therapists, and a few months later, they'd be back in our in our doors in the same position with no services in place. And that's very draining to kind of see these families struggling with these things and the kids struggling with these things. So um, we created um, the Southern Berkshire uh, collaborative care team that really uh, brought together families, schools, uh, ha- pediatric health care providers and community resources into a network that uh, really is based primarily around our care coordinator, Adrian, And she has uh, one thing that she utilizes a, is a database that Adrian collected all the resources in the community that can be helpful to families in these ways. And as she was doing that, she built relationships. So I think a lot of our collaborative care work is relationship build, building. It also uh, breaks down silos. Uh, I think we're, we're all finding in our lives that we're, the pediatric office is one silo, the school is another silo. And so uh, through this system, we created uh, more effective referrals and more accountability, often utilizing
1: resources that already existed in the community we introduced the idea of um arts and culture being one of the resources and obviously rich in arts and culture out in the berkshires but before that came to the door what types of resources were you connecting people with
0: Connecting in with intensive care coordination services through the Child's Behavioral Health Initiative, local mental health counselors,
1: food pantries,
0: transportation, any type of kind of resource that might address
1: these social determinants of health. So when you say social determinants of health, Mm -hmm. what does that mean?
0: What does that mean? So,
1: (laughs) Well, for me, I mean, one thing I was
2: seeing was that um, families are struggling with increasing poverty. They're struggling with... uh, substance abuse in the family and domestic violence and that's affecting the f- family structure and the children um i think that's what i think of in part as uh, social determinants of health there's a concept called adverse childhood events or aces which really tries to document that and that has been shown when the kids have more of these aces
1: it's directly uh, related to adverse health outcomes throughout their life. So it's it's sort of the idea that whether or not you have a roof over your head, sure. whether or not you have a healthy diet, whether or not you get he- exercise, whether or not you all the things that surround you really are contributors to whether or not you have a, a healthy. Uh, lifestyle right. or in a healthy life, and how can you talk about a healthy
0: diet if you don't have food? It, so it's the, the you know the very basics. How can we talk about getting you to your medical appointments if you don't have transportation to get there? So we have to address those to be able to address the
1: the bigger parts of their health as well. So what we've been looking at at the Mass Cultural Council are these social determinants of health, sort of basic essential things that people need before they can do anything else. Um, And also uh, looking at what are considered protective factors to prevent unfortunate health consequences. Mm -hmm. And we have been looking at a lot of research that suggests that the arts and culture, arts and cultural participation is a protective factor and that people who actually participate in arts and culture are healthier they're less lowly, they're less isolated, which also leads to a lot of negative consequences. So naturally we were delighted uh, when there was an opportunity to bring in, as one of your resources, mm-hmm. the cultural assets out in the Berkshires. Yeah. So now your partnership includes, talk a little bit about who's in it with you. Sure, so we have CATA, um, the Community Access to the
0: Arts. We have Berkshire Theatre Group, Norman Rockwell Museum, Mass Mocha, and Mass Audubon as well. So a little bit of nature kind of mixed in with the other cultural organizations. A kind
1: of nice, nice mix. So, Adrian, tell us, tell us a couple of stories. What happens sure. when you have the opportunity to refer one of your clients to a cultural
0: organization? Sure. So we we have a brief huddle in the morning to figure out who, who might who we can identify who might benefit most from one of these cultural prescriptions. Um, so I talk to the pediatricians in the morning. Um, and then so when I do enter the room to to talk to them about um, these opportunities, it's just it's it's the dynamic in the exam room shifts. Um, so instead of talking about medications or a referral to a specialist or you know something that's you know, maybe not negative, but kind of perceived as like one more thing to do. Um, This is an opportunity for the family to have something fun. And that's how I really talk about it with the family is like, you know, we can give prescriptions for medicine. We can give prescriptions for, you know, you to see a neurologist, but we can also give you a prescription for something fun to do with your family. And that's just as important as some of those medicines or some of those things, because it really addresses, you know, your, your whole family. It's a nice day. It's something to do that you might not get to otherwise. And really, families are so appreciative and and love the concept and it's been so well received it's nice to see I had recently I had this one young um, middle school age child come in and they were specifically coming in to talk about um, some social challenges that he's had recently and he was kind of this just droopy little flower when he came in and we were talking and he had you know, like I had presented the program to him and I had talked about the different organizations and he was like, oh, Audubon, like that might be a really good idea. And you could see just the, uh, like, just the shift in his, um, uh, you know, presentation just changed because he just, he had something, he was forward thinking. He was thinking about something that was fun to do. He wasn't focused on what he was there for. He came in kind of sullen looking and just sad. And as they were leaving, they had something to look forward to and, and
1: plans for the future. It changes the whole environment at the clinic, mm-hmm. for, for the doctors too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, so I mean, one thing that I find myself Uh, feeling at times is I'm saying I sound like a broken record I'm saying the same thing over and over again Uh, make sure you get an hour of exercise a day make sure you spend time with your family and uh, to have a new tool that's a fun tool to get people to smile and have a good time has added a lot for me and specifically it enables moving from just a recommendation into actual action. It's, it's a program that uh, creates an action that is not just a prescription in words. And so I think um, that's been a nice part of things. Uh, I think a couple other thoughts I've had about the program uh, are that uh, it enables us Actually, to listen to where families are coming from a bit more in the sense that when Adrienne will sit down with a family and talk about what the different options are, she hears more about the family. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for instance, there's a an exhibit at the Norman Rockwell uh, Museum right now on immigration, and so sometimes we'll hear about family stories of immigration, and doctors don't always have time to get into that, but I think that if families feel more heard, then I can feel them engaging in the the experience at the doctor's office, and if they're gonna engage in the experience more, it's more likely they're gonna follow through on the things we want
1: them to do with healthcare. So you're not just doing a checklist of symptoms, of clinical symptoms of a particular ailment. It's more about the real person. One of the ripple effects of this program is that while the patient may actually be a child, the work actually is extending to the entire family. Yeah, so we we recently just had
0: a wonderful opportunity for this young man that was able to bring his family to Norman Rockwell. And he just so happened actually had some of his own artwork on display there. So he was very excited to be able to bring them. But um, interestingly, while they were there, they saw the immigration exhibit on uh, from a Polish immigrant. And they actually, this family had Polish heritage. And so this the four generations of this family all in the same room actually got to have dialogue around what their own personal history
1: was. So it seems like a pretty straightforward program. You know, you uh, send people to cultural organizations in the community, but there's really a lot more to it to really make it work from the physician's point of view. What do you need to know? What gives you confidence that this is a good idea? There's been a lot of research
2: that you guys have educated us about (laughs) on um, the benefits of culture and uh, on health. Um, I think that the other piece that's important to me is that this program uh, is coordinated in a way that the cultural institution uh, is set up to receive a little information about the family that's coming um, and they Uh, are prepared so that they meet the family and make sure it's a positive and meaningful experience. Um, And I think that it's important that that happens. I think without that, I mean, it's it's the same thing as if you just give a piece of paper without the family, you know, feeling any sort of warm handoff or having any sort of warm handoff. In general, referrals don't work as well um, as when there's a warm handoff.
1: So this is really part and parcel of this collaborative, this collective partnership that you've put together, what is is your interaction with the cultural organizations? So
0: we have a, um, and and also we do need to be mindful of HIPAA. So we've created these um, code words with families. So there's no shared, um, you know, protected health information or anything with the cultural organizations. Um, But we come up in the office with the patient, um, you know, a special code word that they'd like to use. And it might be Superman or their family dog's name or something that they would remember. So the communication with the cultural organizations, we have a shared database um, with those Code names and just kind of you know minor details of um, you know needs to have wheelchair access or something like that so it's a little bit more user friendly for the patient when they arrive um, and their family and about how many mon- many to expect so there's you know mom dad and three children and. Just to give them a little bit of a heads up. And so we document in our side and then they pick up from there. Is there and, a
1: feedback loop? Do you hear then? Do you have a conversation after the fact with the yes. organization to so see how When, t- when
0: did they use it? When did they use the um, tickets? How many people showed up? Did they uh, fill out a, a survey at the end? So you've been doing this for
1: a bit of time. It sounds like it's working well. I mean, from the physician's point of view, for starters.
0: I
2: think that one thing that Collaborative care, and again, culture Rx as a tool of collaborative care has uh, made a huge difference for me, is that we all know, and Massachusetts Medical Society is paying a lot of attention now to physician burnout, and I think as we face challenges that families are facing with the things we've talked about before, about increasing poverty um, and other challenges that are challenging the family structure, it can be... Uh, demoralizing to have to see this all the time and to not really feel like you have tools to deal with it and so to, to one do it as a team instead of feeling like you're doing it by yourself and two to actually feel like you're making some success in making successful referrals and seeing these families have positive experiences and also getting to know people more as people instead of just their physical bodies um, is uh, does a lot
1: to combat position burnout. So that's one thing I've reflected on over time. Mm-hmm. Adrienne, I'd like you to tell one more story. And it's one I, you yeah. told me earlier today, yeah. but it was about um, a trip to the theater. Oh, sure. A young little friend of ours
0: um, went to the theater um, with uh, his caregiver. And unfortunately, this child has many uh, complex medical situation. And they had related that when I talked to them after their visit, that this was 45 minutes of peace. That they could, she she could sit there and watch her grandson having a good time, enjoying himself. He's not sitting there, you know. They're not thinking about his diagnosis. They had time to just sit there, you know, the two of them as a family and have a good
1: time. And that's something that they don't get to have all the time. Dr. Deborah Puccino, pediatrician at Mackinney Pediatrics, and Adrian Conklin, R.N. Practice Manager at Mackinney Pediatrics. Two more of our creative minds out loud. Thank you. Thank you.
0: To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.